No, he picked the greatest leaders of all time out of people who were just doing their job every day. Remember when he picked David? Remember when he, when he, when he, when he, he, he went and, and, and uh, he sent uh, Samuel to examine the sons of Jesse. They knew that the greatest king in Israel would come from the sons of Jesse. And Samuel went and said, show me your sons. And Jesse paraded all of his sons, seven of his sons, before Samuel. And the Lord just kept saying, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. I mean, they were all gussied up. They all were going through the application process to be king. And they got all done. And Samuel said, is this all your sons? And Jesse said, well, no, there's one. I got a little boy. He's just out doing his chores. He's watching over the sheep. He's just out there tending the sheep. And Samuel said, well, bring him in here. And as soon as he walked in, the Lord said, anoint him. That's the one. Where did God get the greatest king of all times? He got him from a little boy who was just doing his job. He didn't have to go through an application process. He didn't have to act special. God called him because he was doing his job. That was that simple. When Jesus walked along and got disciples, who did he call? People that were just doing their job. And he used their job in that ministry. Remember when Saul said to David, you can't fight Goliath. Good grief, boy. You're just a little, little guy, young guy. And remember what David said? Man, I've been, I've been guarding the sheep. I've fought lions. I've fought bears. I can take this guy. You see, God used those matters, those details of the routine in order to train those people for the greatness. When Jesus walked along and got the fishermen, what did he say to them? Come and I'll make you fishers of men. Same principle in catching people that there is in catching fish. See, God used the routine. Every once in a while, there's a little boy who'll come up to me and says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher like you are. I like the way you preach. Well, I want to tell you something. I don't see myself as a good preacher. I'm not half the preacher I want to be someday. But if there is anything good to what I do. It's because I don't see preaching as a skill. I see it as a life shared. You see, before I was a preacher, before I learned how to preach, I learned how to be a good father. Before I learned how to be a good father, I learned how to be a good husband. Before I learned how to be a good husband, I learned how to be a good student. Before I learned how to be a good student, I learned how to be a good football player. Before I learned how to be a good football player, I learned how to be a good friend. Before I learned how to be a good friend, I learned how to be a good family member, just a regular common family member. You see, when you hear what I'm saying out of Scripture, all of that faithfulness is what comes to you, not a skill in preaching. So there is an accumulated value to the routine of life, to doing the details just doing the details. And then when you're doing that, look what happens. Read along with me. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. God came in a spectacular manner and offered commonality a dance. Now, the Germans have a great word for spirit. It's Geist. Geist. In German, it is anything that's not simply material, anything that's not simply uh, a, a physical thing. 
We get the word gist from it. You know, the gist of a story, the central point of a story, the, 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 the point that has meaning, that gives the story meaning. And when they were just doing their job, God came down and gave it a special meaning. Not to disregard it, but to use it. And the world was never the same for them again. Do you believe that after they went, I'm going to tell you more about this next week. Do you believe when they went back in the fields, they could ever relax again? <laughs> no, because here came God. I remember one time when I, when I, uh, I got to hurry. When I uh, was coming out of a show, when I was, a, I was going through my girl crazy phase. Uh, lasted until I got married, actually. But there was a... <laughs> There was, a, there was a phase of that when I was in middle school when I was just infatuated with everybody in turn. And I was going out of the Castamba Theater, Shelby, Ohio. Now, every little town had its own little theater. Um, and, and the manager at our place, Art Schreffler, wore a pep, uh, uh, those brushes things on his arms. He had a little uniform, epilepsy, that's it. Little things on his arm, had a hat and a uh, flashlight. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Then what happened? No. <laughs> well, anyhow, it was a very formal thing. And I can't remember what the movie was. You didn't have to worry about movies back that, in that day. It was probably Ten Commandments or something like that. But I remember it was a long movie. And I was going out. And here came in this girl that I thought was great looking. And I was just had a crush on her anyhow. And I, and I went, oh, I, I made some sound. <laughs> and she looked over and she was a lady. And she just gave me one of those. Well, I went out of that theater. Now, it was 2.33 in the afternoon, and I was supposed to be home at 4 o'clock sharp. And I thought to myself, she's in that theater. She's watching the movie. Sooner or later, that movie's going to get out. I want to be around when it does. I want to see her one more time. And so I determined that I would just hang around until that movie was over. And that was the longest, it was two and a half, three hour, I'm telling you, it was cold, it was rainy, I was breaking curfew, I knew I'd be grounded for five years, at least my parents were so strict, but, and I had to go to the bathroom, and I did, but I didn't, want, I didn't want to miss, and I'd go into stores just to get warm a little bit, and then I'd go back, and I'd rehearse, you know, because I didn't want her to think like I was stalking her, or anything like that, so I had to, I had to rehearse being surprised when she came out. I, well, let me, oh! Hi. Well, I was just doing some stuff. Like, I got a lot to do in town, you know. Oh, guys, you're here again. How about, what a quick, you know, I'm just, I'm rehearsing all of this stuff. Later on in the movie, did, I did, I made it, you know, I, and, and got grounded, of course. But the movie got out, and, and I just, <laughs> and all of that rehearsal went down the drain. I just, uh, ah, just, <laughs> she was so pretty. What happened to me during that time was that that, all became holy ground. It, it all became a place where she was, where she might show up at any time. The, the Ben Franklin store, Struble's Drugs, uh, the, the, the newspaper across the street, all had a different sense of them. Now, to tell you how girl crazy I was, I can't even remember this girl's name now. I don't even know who it was. All I can remember is God preparing me for that looking forward to him. Now, when I do um, devotions, now when I walk around anywhere in normal life, I know he's somewhere. 
And, and I know not only is he with me all the time, but he can pop up at any given time. And there's a thrill and a romance to that. Now read on with me. It says this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Now, this is interesting. There are ways that God can add a spirit of excitement to our life and ways that he doesn't. The ways that he does is that he makes everything more meaningful. The ways that he doesn't is that he lets us escape from everything. The ways that you can tell it's God is that the routine becomes more fun. The ways that he doesn't is you can tell uh, that you just want to get away from everything. You just want to get away from everything in the way that you just want to leave it alone. I I get a, a, a magazine that tells me, uh, news stories from all over the world. I like to hear what other newspapers in different countries are printing. I like to read their stories. I said, I'm especially interested in reading their stories about how they view the United States. One of the things that, that uh, I read in, in recent weeks was a story in Hong, uh, that was in a newspaper in Hong Kong. And that story was about um, how in the United States, every year now, we are losing 50 billion dollars in productivity because workers are playing computer games on their computer. Fifty billion dollars a year. And the last line of this story is so, so well written. last line of the story is that people are so afraid of computers that they run around, and some people wish they just could go, run around and unplug the computers. Who would have thought that a computer could unplug a person. And that's exactly the spirit of entertainment that takes you away from the routine. But God has a different spirit. God's spirit says, watch this, I'm not going to take you away. I'm going to give you another level of the routine. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how meaningful it is. And this is for all people. It's not just for you. It's for all people. I remember a story about uh, Linus and Lucy one time. Remember Peanuts cartoons I love. And of course, uh, Linus, I think, is Lucy's little brother. And Lucy was explaining how a wishbone works to Linus. And she's saying, now, Linus, you just grab a hold of this and, and, and we both make a wish. And then whoever gets the biggest part of the wishbone, uh, then they get their wish. And Linus was saying, well, do you got to make it out loud? And Lucy, wanting to know what his wish was, said, well, sure. You don't make it out loud, then, uh, then you don't get the wish uh, if you win. So she said, I'll tell you what, I'll make mine first. I wish for four new sweaters, three new, three new dresses. Uh, I wish for a new bike and a new dolly and a hundred dollars. And then it came Linus' turn. Linus said, I wish for a long life for all my friends and peace on earth. And I wish for great advances in medicine so people wouldn't have to hurt. Lucy took the wishbone, threw it away and said, Linus, you ruin everything. (laughs) 
You see, when God came down, he said, all of this counts. All of this counts. And all of it can be seen in the best light. And you can get a great perspective on what is really worthwhile. And you know how he did it? He did it by replacing our character. Because it says in here, watch this. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know how Christ saved us? He changed places. There, there was an interesting story I read in a, in a business magazine, <clears throat> excuse me, or a business book about an experiment that a, <clears throat> that a company had done, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to train its, its salesmen. And they, <clears throat> excuse me, they had two salesmen go to, this is a convention, they had two salesmen go to a middle floor, drew a line between them and said, okay, now your job will give you, you'll be able to take turns, your job will be able will be to convince that other person to cross that line. If you convince that other person to cross that line, you win. And so you can imagine what this is. I mean, the, the most perfect, persuasive speeches in the world. You couldn't use any force. All you could do is try to talk them into crossing the line. Hours of the most persuasive, most articulate speeches. The problem was that very few ever were talked into crossing the line until one person discovered the answer. When he walked up into the line and his other person walked up to the line, he simply voiced one sentence. I'll cross this line if you will. Both of them crossed the line and both of them won. You see, God doesn't try to talk us into being Christians. God doesn't try to talk us into being holy. Doesn't try and threaten us. What happened at Christmas time is that Jesus came down and simply did this. I'll cross this line if you will. I'll come on your side if you'll come on my side. It says this very plainly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says this. And he made him, that is Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. When God came into the world, he said, I'm going to take your place with one condition, that you'll take mine. The rest of the sentence goes like this. He made him who knew no sin to be on our behalf, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want to ask you this morning as I close, and I, I've asked uh, Eleanor if she'd, if she'd just create a little song for this morning to just kind of sum it up. I want to ask you as I close, would you do this? Would you consider, would you consider embracing God in this material spiritual dance? Would you consider allowing that spectacular to come into your routine by continuing with your routine, by going on with what you do and just loving Him? So that the closer you dance, the less you can tell who is who. Pray with me. <clears throat> God, thank you for blessing our routine. Thank you for creating us in such a way that we could do things that seem like they have more, no meaning. But Lord, to you, they have great meaning. And in your timing and in your way, you come to us.
in those things and tell us how important they are and you use those things to further your gospel. Help all the mothers to be good mothers and all the dads to be good dads and all the friends to be good friends and all the sportsmen to be good sportsmen and all the workers to be good workers. Help us just do what we're supposed to do and then make something eternal out of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody stand. Prayer team, would you come down right now and let me invite any of you who do not have the partner yet to come 
and be introduced to your dancing partner. In other words, if Christ is not your Savior yet, and you would make your life His life today, and His life your life, they can guide you into that relationship. And anybody who's going through a world of hurt <clears throat> or a world of emptiness this year, I want you to know they'd be glad to pray with you. Now let's go from this place. In the name of God the Father, and of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit, let us realize that God is in the routine. And God will make something eternally good if we are but faithful. Amen.